0: good morning everyone how about that horn section huh yeah thanks to those guys for coming and uh, providing a little different texture to our music on a Sunday morning it was awesome everybody ready for Christmas Tim you got all your shopping done (laughs) he looks at his wife I don't know do we have all you know Christmas is Christmas morning's great for both the kids and the dads they're like what do we get (laughs) because mom's bought it all, right? Well, it's good to see all of you. Thanks for being here today. So just while I have your attention, because I know like after about three minutes, you guys are somewhere else. Okay. While I have your attention, I just want to remind you that next Sunday we will be celebrating Christmas Eve together. We will not be hosting services at our regularly scheduled Sunday times, not at 930, not at 11. But we will be hosting identical services at 2, 4, and 6. And we have a wonderful service planned. I hope that you can be here. And like Landon reminded us earlier in the service, this is a wonderful opportunity to invite family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, strangers that you meet. Um, just invite them to come and be your guest at Sybil Creek next Sunday. And um, it is. THE TIME OF YEAR THAT PEOPLE ARE JUST A BIT MORE OPEN TO ACCEPTING AN INVITATION TO JOIN SOMEBODY AT CHURCH. AND SO PLEASE EXTEND THE INVITATION. SHARE WITH THEM uh, JESUS. SHARE WITH THEM YOUR CHURCH FAMILY. AND HERE'S WHAT I WANT TO JUST REMIND YOU. DON'T EVER UNDERESTIMATE THE POTENTIAL OF WHAT YOUR INVITATION And somebody coming to a church service and hearing about Jesus, don't ever underestimate what God could do in that moment to begin the trajectory of somebody's spiritual journey. And God could use you to do that. So don't wait till the last minute. Don't wait till December the 23rd. Go ahead and uh, get those invitations out. And um, I invited my neighbor yesterday, and uh, he just kind of looked at me cross-eyed like... And he didn't know how to tell me, I, I don't go to church. And I go, I, I know. But I just wanted you to know you're welcome. He said, well, I'll let my wife know. <laughs> so, We'll see. But we'll pray that my neighbor comes and joins us next Sunday. Does that make sense? All right. And um, I was sharing with you last Sunday, we were talking about making sacrifices for the good of others. And I was sharing with you that Sybil Creek Community Church For many years now, we've been supporting an orphanage in the country of Nigeria, the Ministry of Mercy Orphanage, home to about 300 children of all different ages. And um, we received a Christmas card from the Ministry of Mercy Orphanage, uh, Daniel and Esther Aday, who who care for the orphanage. They sent us a Christmas card this year and um, wanted us to know that they deeply appreciate the ministry of this church on their behalf. The financial gifts that we share with them throughout the year make it possible for them to feed the kids, for them to uh, provide educational opportunities for them, sometimes medical services, clothes. So this church, through your generosity, is making a big difference in the lives of several hundred kids in the country of Nigeria. And they wanted you to know. That they are deeply deeply grateful and i wanted to remind you that if uh, here at the end of the year you're thinking about making some sort of donation and you're interested in perhaps making a donation to Sybil creek community church any gifts that we receive this month that are designated missions will be used for our global outreach here at Cibola Creek, of which the Ministry of Mercy is a part of that, and there'll be recipients of it. So if you're thinking about making end-of-the-year donations and you want to help in um, sharing Jesus with our world, that's one of the ways to do that. Again, if your gift is designated missions, then we make sure that it gets put to those purposes. Make sense? All right, so it's hard to believe that here we are, at the very last message of a series of messages that we have been pursuing an entire year and i think if i did my math correctly uh, 45 messages that we focused on this year on a single topic now that's a big change for us for the last 25 years we have done series of messages that are just shorter in length So three weeks, four weeks at times, it's a stretch. We might go six or eight weeks with a series. And we've done that for 25 years. And what would happen in the course of a year, we would do anywhere from 12 to 15 different topics, and we would cover a lot of ground and a lot of different issues. And we'd be talking about the sovereignty of God, and we'd be talking about the place of Jesus in our life, and we'd be talking about raising kids, and we'd be talking about marriages, and we'd be talking about worry, and we'd be talking about finances. And and what would happen is that we would cover a lot of different topics, but we wouldn't necessarily remember much of what we heard. And so a year and a half ago, we made a decision to try something different. And we committed to just exploring a single topic for an entire year with the hope of really diving down deep in a really, really important issue facing us as Christians. And so we've been talking about this topic for um, all year. And Honestly, I'm kind of curious about the difference or the help that it might have been to our church family and some of the feedback that we've received throughout the year that is that it's been really, really helpful to be able to dive down deep into a particular topic. And here's the topic that we've been exploring the entire year of 2023. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century? And I wasn't really sure how this new format would work for us, but it's actually gone much better than I might have imagined. And in fact, I just want to give you a heads up a little bit later in the service today, we're going to give you the opportunity to share with us a little bit of what you might have learned throughout this year as we've explored this topic. But this has been really important to me as your pastor. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century? Because a lot of times for many Christians, our discussion and understanding of the whole topic of being a disciple of Jesus is often rooted in the first century. And we don't always make a translation to what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century? And here's what I want to begin with. It's really not all that different than what it meant in the first century that essentially Jesus today is making the same invitation of you and I as he did with his disciples in the first century now have some things changed well of course culture's different but it's not all that different they were dealing with social issues they were dealing with moral issues they were dealing with ethical issues back in the first century ours may be different but we still have the same problems that they were encountering in the first century it may be a different cultural context and it may be a slightly different social landscape but it's still the same invitation Jesus is still inviting people come follow me just like in the first century he said to those who would Give him the time of day. He said, come, follow it. Come, learn from me. And today, our living Savior is still making the same invitation to you and to me. Come, follow me. And Jesus is simply asking followers to do what he asked in the first century. He's simply asking us to do that here in the 21st century. So just by way of reminder, the kind of the foundation of this whole year is a disciple is simply an apprentice, a learner, somebody who comes alongside of a rabbi in the, particular context comes alongside of a rabbi and spends time learning from that rabbi how to live their life and here's what we saw in the life of jesus jesus was a rabbi who invited his disciples to follow him into a life lived by faith in god that was his invitation come follow me in learning what it is to live your life with faith faith in god And then I want you to be ambassadors of mine on this earth. Just like in the first century, Jesus is making that same invitation here in the 21st century. So we have this very important passage of scripture in the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus commissions his early disciples to their work. And we read this in Matthew chapter 28, and here's what we read. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and he said... All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I guess when you resurrect from the dead, you can make statements like that. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now, here's what I want you to do as those who have learned a way of life for me. I want you to go and I want you to help other people to become followers of me. I want you to do this wherever life may take you throughout all the nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's an assumption that as you go about making disciples, you're going to first begin with people who aren't followers of Jesus. You're going to introduce them to the challenge of following Jesus. And when you do, I want you to publicly announce that decision to follow Jesus by baptizing them. And then the continuing work of discipleship is teaching them to obey everything that i've commanded you as i've modeled for you as i've instructed for you i want you to now turn and pass it on pay it forward and then he leaves them with this promise and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age so to the disciples of the first century they had a purpose As disciples of Jesus, their purpose was to now go and help other people to become disciples of Jesus. They had a message. It was the message of the gospel, the message of the centrality of Jesus and his importance to their life. It was the message that we as sinners are estranged from God because of our sin. But Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on the cross and his death on the cross pays for the sin that I'm guilty of. And if I place my faith in Jesus, I can be restored to a relationship with God. I've become one of his children. I receive his forgiveness. I know salvation and the promise of eternal life. And so he gave them that message. He said, go wherever life takes you and share that with whoever will listen. And then they had a promise. The promise of Jesus is as long as you're busy about your purpose and as long as you're busy about the message that I've given you, then I will be with you. I'll always be with you as you do the work that I've given you as my disciples. Does that make sense? But that was the first century. And we're curious about the 21st century. Well, guess what? It's all the same. We have a purpose. The same Jesus that invited his disciples to go and make disciples, that same Jesus is coming to you and to me. And he's asking us to go and make disciples, to pay forward what we've learned about our faith and help other people to become followers of Christ. We have a message. We have the same message that the early disciples have. We have the message of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ offering himself as Savior to the world. We have a message to share with our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our relatives. And we have the same promise that Jesus is with us as we busy ourselves with sharing the message and accomplishing the purpose that God has given us. Does that make sense? It's really important to me that we don't separate first century understanding of the scriptures from the 21st century understanding of the scriptures. Same purpose, same message, same promise. So let's, let's do a quick review of the year, an entire year. We began with the discussion about spending time with Jesus because that's what disciples do. We see it in the gospel record of Jesus and his disciples, They spent time with him. They spent time with him traveling. They spent time with him resting and relaxing. They spent time with him in the work of ministry. They spent time with Jesus so that he could get to know them and that they could get to know him. We talked about being with Jesus from January through May, 16 different messages. And the question that we dealt with throughout that first part of the, the, the year is how in the world do you have a relationship with somebody that you can't see or you can't hear? Not like we're accustomed to seeing and hearing people that we have relationships with on this earth. So how in the world does a Christian have a relationship with Jesus when you can't see him or you can't hear him? There's only one way, and that is we do that by faith faith is this mysterious adventure of believing things to be true because God has declared them to be true they aren't necessarily things that we can reach out and touch they aren't necessarily things that we can see with our eyes they're not necessarily things that we can put under a microscope and verify by scientific method but as Christians we believe certain things to be true because God has declared them to be true so faith is believing and trusting that what god says is true that it's real even though you can't see it or hear it like you do other things so when jesus says to you i will be with you you can't see him we might not necessarily be tuned to hearing him again like we're accustomed to hearing somebody else But by faith, we believe that Jesus is with us. So when you go into that job interview and you're really nervous, Jesus is with you. When you go into that doctor's appointment and you're really scared about what he might have to say, Jesus is with you. When your marriage is full of turmoil and it's not going really well, what you can do is take some assurance in the fact that Jesus is with you. He's there to help you because what he describes to be true is in fact real, even though we can't see it. And that is the adventure of faith. And that's where a Christian begins to have a relationship with the God that you can't see or hear. So it's interesting how Jesus talks about us being connected to him. We looked at this passage earlier in the year, John chapter 15, Jesus is using sort of an illustration as a way to give us a picture of understanding. He says, I'm the true vine. I want you to remain in me. I want you to be connected to me as also I am connected or remained in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must stay connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you stay connected or remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain, stay connected in me. And if I stay connected to you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, staying connected to me, you can do nothing of any spiritual significance. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what is it according to Jesus that proves that we're his disciples? That we have sort of a fruit or evidence of our life that we're spending time with him. And the only way that happens is if we stay connected to him. If we develop that relationship with jesus so that was the first dimension of what it means to be a disciple the second dimension was to become more like jesus and we spent june through august exploring that topic 14 different messages i shared with you seven of them then if you'll remember i was on sabbatical for seven weeks and several seven guest teachers some from our staff some from pastors in our area shared with you seven characteristics of the life of jesus that they admired and here's some of the things that we talked about in becoming more like jesus again this is just a handful of them there's many many more but as we look at life of jesus we at the life of jesus we understand that jesus is compassionate so when i pursue a more compassionate life then i'm becoming more like jesus Jesus was incredibly gracious. He's been incredibly gracious to me. He's been incredibly gracious to you. So when you and I seek to be gracious to others, particularly when they may not deserve it, then we're becoming more like Jesus. Jesus was humble, he was unselfish, he was deeply devoted to his beliefs and his commitment to trusting his heavenly father. When you and I are humble and unselfish and devoted to our faith, we're becoming like Jesus. And finally, we looked at the fact that Jesus was full of faith. He had a courage and a confidence about him because of what he believed to be true as told to him by his heavenly father. So when you and I as 21st century Christians endeavor to be full of faith, to live our lives with courage and confidence in what God has said to be true, then we're becoming more like Jesus. I love how the Apostle Paul describes us in very simple terms in the book of uh, Philippians chapter two. He says, I want you to have this mind in you, which we also see in Christ Jesus. That's the essence of what it means to become more like Jesus is to start thinking the ways that Jesus thought so that I can make choices the way that Jesus made choices to do the things that Jesus leads us to do. Taking on the mind of Jesus is simply this learning to think like Jesus would think in the situations that you find yourself in life at home, at work at school in your social circles it simply means to respond like jesus would respond if he were in your shoes that's the essence of becoming more like jesus so we spend time with jesus we endeavor to become more like jesus and then the third dimension of discipleship that we've been talking about since september is that a disciple is somebody who does what Jesus did. We spent 14 messages exploring that this fall. And again, these are just a couple of the topics of the things that we see as priorities in the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus had a priority of serving people in need. So when you and I in the 21st century serve people in need, we're doing what Jesus did. We're being a disciple by imitating what we see our rabbi do. Jesus connected with family, not just his blood relatives, but with those who shared a common faith in God. When you and I develop relationships with other people who share our faith in God, we're doing what Jesus did. Jesus shared God's truth with whoever would listen. When you and I speak up or speak out and talk with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers about things that God wants them to understand, we're being like Jesus. Jesus mentored others in their faith. When you and I, in a sense, take somebody under our wing and help share with them our spiritual journey as they seek to follow Christ, we are doing what Jesus did. And then the last two weeks, we looked at the fact that Jesus made sacrifices for the good of others. When you and I learn to make sacrifices, to do without things that we would prefer so that another person can benefit, we're doing what? What Jesus did and this is the essence of what it means to be a disciple look look at this wonderful passage in John chapter 13 Um, Jesus was uh, celebrating a meal with his disciples he gets up from the table he takes off his rabbinical clothes and just in his undergarments he he goes around the table like a servant and he washes each of his disciples feet and then we read this when he had finished washing their feet He put back on his rabbinical clothes and I love this. He returned to his place, not only his place at the table, but his place in society as the rabbi. And he says to his disciples, guys, do you understand what I've done for you? Did did you get all of that? You call me your teacher. You call me your Lord. And rightly so, because I am those things. Well, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, have served you, then you also should learn to serve one another, to wash one another's feet. And then here it is, the essence of discipleship. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. That's what it is to be a disciple in the 21st century. Just like in the first century, that if Jesus does something, then I follow his example and I do that today, now. And then Jesus ends that particular conversation with his disciples. He says, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Nor is a disciple greater than his rabbi. Like you'll have, you know, an exception to the rule. No, no, no servant is greater than his master. And then Jesus says this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? If you do them. This line right here, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them, is the difference between a churchgoer and a Christ follower. Because what happens is that if you're just a churchgoer, oftentimes what we do is we just accumulate a lot of knowledge about Jesus and we know the chapters and we know the verses and we know the stories and we can explain and we can debate them all. We know a lot, but a Christ follower is somebody who takes what he knows. And he integrates it into the way that he goes about living his life. And he does the things that Jesus has called us to do. That's what it means to be a disciple. Now, at great risk to my life as a teacher, do any of you remember any of that? (laughs) Don't make me start this entire year over again. But I do, I hope that you've learned something through the year and being able to just focus on a single topic each Sunday that we come here so that you could really sort of pull it all together and make sense of it. So these three words are really important to us around here. And if I know anything about this congregation, I know this, you're really, really smart people. And I have no doubt. That you can remember three words. Right? So let's just practice. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be, become, and do. Let me hear you say that again. Be, become, do. So when we think about what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is somebody who spends time with Jesus. To be with him. To get to know him and what he's like. A disciple is also someone someone who's endeavoring to become more like Jesus. As I get to know him better, I understand more about his humility, his compassion, his devotion, his courage, and his confidence of faith. And as I endeavor to adopt those same characteristics and those same attitudes in my pursuit of becoming more like the rabbi that I've chosen to follow. And then finally, when I do the things that Jesus did then I'm being a disciple of Jesus in the truest sense of the word. So be, become, do. That is language around here. So let me tell you about it. It's, It's a place to begin. It's not everything about discipleship. We could spend the next 10 years exploring everything that has to do with discipleship. But it's a place to begin. It's a place to start to think in terms of, be become do when we talk about following Jesus it's about spending time with him it's about endeavoring to become more like him it's about adopting the priorities of doing the things that Jesus did I can do that in the 21st century just like we see modeled in the first century disciples it's a place to begin it's also a language to share Those three words can become the way that we as a church family communicate with one another and encourage one another and even offer support and accountability to one another to be able to ask somebody, are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending time reading the scriptures? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you honoring the priority of worship in your life? Are you spending time honoring the nature of Sabbath rest in your life? Are you spending time nurturing your relationship with Jesus? Because that's what disciples do. We can encourage one another. How in the last month or two or three, have you become more like Jesus as you address certain character flaws in your own life, conforming them to the example of Jesus? And then we can challenge each other about what it means to be busy doing the things that Jesus, Jesus modeled for us to do. That's, it's language that we as a church can share and all of us understand and be on the same page about. And finally, it's a path to follow. It gives us some sort of a template around which we can provide resources and opportunities in the life of our congregation to help all of us become more fully devoted as followers of Jesus Christ. That, that is what we want for this church. Is that every person who names the name of Christ as their Lord and Savior, that we're all committed to following Jesus as one of his disciples. People who be become and do what it is that Jesus modeled for us. Does that make sense? So I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Um, underneath your chair this morning, you'll find a card that looks like this. You'll find a pen just about every other seat. So some of you may have to share if you don't have your own pen there's no right or wrong answer but here's what i want to do i want to give you the opportunity as someone who's been on this journey with us for a year on the back side of the card i'd like you to take the opportunity to share something you've learned this year about what it means to be a disciple of jesus some lesson that perhaps stood out to you some point that was made that you seem to remember Something that you discovered for the first time and you never understood before about your faith. Or maybe you still have questions about what it means to follow Jesus. And you can't get over the hump of that particular dilemma of faith. Whatever it is that would be an honest reflection of something that you learned or are learning about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm inviting you to share that with us on this card. Does that make sense? Jesus said this. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If we've made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus. It's about being all in. It's about giving it our very, very best. And we're interested in learning from you. What is it that you determined this year is going to be your very best about what it means to be a follower of Jesus? You know, when I was a kid growing up, there was a song that we sang that here I am 61 years old now and I can still remember every word to the song. A simple song. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to spend some time writing on your card while the worship team leads us in the words of, I have decided to follow Jesus, and then here in a few moments, we'll stand together and we'll sing it as an entire church family. So take a few moments, write on the card something that you learned this year about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Let me invite you to stand with me and let's sing this song together as a declaration of resolve that I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. And as I anticipate this season and this coming year, I'm determined to spend time with Jesus, to become more like him and to do what Jesus did. Let's sing together. Hey So I wonder, I wonder how God's been at work in your heart, your mind, your life this year. How through the Holy Spirit, he's challenged each one of us about a better understanding, a fuller understanding, a deeper understanding of what it means to be disciples of Jesus. And I hope we all understand It doesn't doesn't matter what we determine to do without God's help we'll not be able to accomplish any of it. So let me ask if you'll join me for one final moment of reflection. If you'll take the card that you've completed and you hold it out in front of you with open hands just sort of a demonstration of yourself being open to God's help. If you don't have a card, that's fine. Just open hands. Does the same thing. It's it's what it's saying to God is I am open to you. No closed fists, but open hands to whatever you might want to do in and through me as someone who's decided to follow your son, Jesus. i'd like to encourage you to take a few moments in your own words your own way pray over what you have written as a demonstration of offering it to god as, as what you have for him today so take a moment pray over your card father in heaven you have heard every prayer that's been prayed in this room you know every word that's been written on a card reflecting somebody's discovery and determination about their decision to follow your son Jesus God I know that you're honored when we as human beings make the decision of faith to follow your son, Jesus. So I pray on behalf of each one of these men and women that you might bless them with the strength, the wisdom, the discernment, the courage, the confidence, the patience and the hope that they will need to follow your son, Jesus well. Father, fill them with a resolve through the work of your Holy Spirit that they will determine to the very best of their ability this coming year to spend time with your son, Jesus, getting to know him and allowing him to know them. That they will determine to become more like Jesus in their attitudes and the ways that they go about living their life. Adopting his character qualities and his traits as they see them displayed in the life of Jesus as recorded in the scriptures. And then, Father, fill them with a passion and a purpose to doing what Jesus did in the places where they work and go to school, in the neighborhoods where they live. In this community that they're a part of so do a work father through each of these disciples of yours here in the 21st century and as a collective family do a work in and through this church for your glory i pray and ask in the name of christ our lord and savior amen As you leave this morning, I invite you to drop off the card that you've completed at the receptacles in the back of the auditorium. We'd like to learn what you learned this year, and then we'd like to share some of those lessons with our church family in the new year. So thank you for being here today. We hope to see you next Sunday. Have a great day.